0: listening to the weekly podcast presented by the lighthouse midlothian for more information please visit us at www.dfwlighthouse.org thank you and god bless It's interesting because, um, as I've studied over the years, recently I got another slice of this from John Bevere's book, uh, "Good or God." I don't know if you've heard of John Bevere's book, "Good or God," and the tenth chapter he deals with this subject, and he just he just adds another slice to it, but. <clears throat> There's a difference between grace and mercy, and and I've heard it said like this, grace is God giving us what we do not deserve. It's a gift, amen? But mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve, punishment for sin, and so on. Do you understand that? And so grace is a gift, and it's interesting that the word, it's not coincidence that the original word for grace is charis, and there's two cl- words closely related to that. The word gift, um, the word grace is charis. The word gift is charisma. We get the word charismatic from that. And the word for joy is kari. They're all. It's all the same root word. Kari, charis, charisma. Joy. Joy of the Lord is our what? Strength. Amen. Strength, And so there's, you're going to see how these three relate here in just a few minutes. But there's different workings of grace in the New Testament. And we, we know about grace for salvation, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. By grace you are saved through faith, amen? Uh, and so grace for salvation. There's also another working of grace that is the call of God on your life, amen? Paul referred to his apostleship as the grace of God. In his life. Amen. And every one of us in this room today have a call, have a gift from God. And that gift in you is God's grace, his gift in you. Amen. His grace working in you. But there's a third working of grace that I want to talk about to you today. And I call it grace for day to day living. And let me just define it for you real quick. This grace, it's a transfer of the strength of Christ through fellowship with Him. And this strength comes to give you the ability to deal with what you cannot change. Let me add to that. This grace, this strength, this power of Christ comes to us to empower us to live holy lives, to live the kind of lives that God's called us to live. Amen? There's too much loosey-goosey in the body of Christ today. Too much of the world has gotten into the church, and not enough of the church has gotten into the world. Faith and grace work together, but they're also different. Faith, we're told in Romans 5, chapter 2, that by faith we access this grace. We access this grace by faith. Let me give you just a short distinction between the two. Faith, with faith we stand on a promise of God. And the power of God is released into our circumstances and there's change. Hallelujah. Every time we come together on Wednesday night for prayer meeting, we're praying for something. We're praying for uh, something to change. Amen? Amen. And so we, we use our faith, hallelujah, the faith God's given us that he's put in us. Grace is God's strength that he ministers to you, which makes you strong and gives you the capacity to deal with what you cannot change, like persecution, like your flesh. We all here today live in a body. We have our flesh to deal with. People, you have to sometimes deal with people that it's not easy god's plan for your life amen we need the grace of god so this grace it actually comes and it changes you amen grace comes from jesus and that's that's very important and you're going to understand why here in a minute That we understand that this grace that we're talking about, it comes from Jesus. John 1.17, it says, the law came from Moses, but grace and truth came from Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 2.1, Paul wrote, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. We're told in the Bible, in Hebrews, that Jesus had two ministries, and I'm just going to, I just got to get through this, so I hope you're listening and you're focused, amen? Jesus had two ministries, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, it says, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider, think about, the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. He had two ministries. He was an apostle and he was high priest. Through his apostolic work, we understand and we learn about his finished work. His apostolic work was his finished work. Most of us understand and know about that work. The work he did on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, what he accomplished in giving us eternal life and the promise of, of, and the provision of healing for our bodies. That's his finished work. That was done through his apostolic ministry. But it's his second work that most of us are unfamiliar with or don't understand, and that's his high priestly work. And that's the work that continues even through today where he sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and me. What's he praying? What's he praying? Lord, God, give, give Ismail a new Cadillac. Is that what he's praying? At the right hand of the Father? What's his ministry? We're going to find out. Hebrews chapter 12, we see these two ministries. Chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author, apostolic, and the developer, the ongoing high priestly work of our faith. Amen? Hebrews 7, verse 25, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. That's his apostolic work. Amen? But it goes on to say, since he always, always lives to make intercession for them, for you and me. I don't know about you, but it blesses me to know that Jesus is praying for me today. Jesus wants Larry to survive and to make it and to be a success in his eyes. And he wants the same for you. He's praying for you and me. And he's praying. What he's praying is for grace, his power, his strength, that you'll understand that you'll be able to receive that so that you'll be able to do what he's called you to do and that you'll be able to live the way he wants you to live and partake of all that he's provided. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And Jesus, the purpose of Jesus coming, we know, was to die on a cross and to suffer and and pay the price and take our place so that we could live forever with him. Amen? But he also came, God came in the form of a man so that he could be our high priest. He could function in that office today. He could actually Go through things and know what it's like to live in a body. To know what it's like to be betrayed by friends. And to to go through the things. and Hebrews says it this way in Hebrews 2.17. Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. To make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted He is able to aid those who are tempted. He's able to aid you and me. He knows what we've been through. He knows what we're going through even now. He knows the the disappointments and the things that we, we come across in life. He lived in a body. And he not only knows what we need, he has what we need. Amen? This grace is available to every one of us who know him. I, I, I look at the time that Paul, when Paul learned about this grace, he first got a real revelation of this grace. It was in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Turn there with me in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This grace is available to you in the times of persecution or when others come against you or attack you. 2 Corinthians 12, beginning at verse 7, he says, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Now, some people would teach that that's sickness or disease in the body, but that's not what it says. He tells us what it was. It was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. And if you read Paul's life, you see that the extraordinary persecution this man went through. And it was so bad. It was so strong. Everywhere he went, he he hit this wall of persecution that was so great. Look Look what he says in verse 8. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. I don't believe he just prayed three times. Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. I believe he went through three seasons of, of fasting and crying out to God, saying, God, if, if you don't do something, I don't know if I can do this. I remember when I was... A young believer, and um, I had fallen one night, and I, I was so, I felt so bad, and and I just, I was driving down the road by myself in this pickup truck, and I was just, I just started crying to God, and I said, God, I don't think I can live this life. I said, I'm going to go back to my old life. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back into the bars. I'm going to go back doing the bad, the, the things that I did before. I, 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 this is too much for me. This is too difficult for me. I can't live this life. And in the middle of that, the presence of God filled that pickup truck, and it came over me like hot oil. And I remember I couldn't drive anymore. I pulled off to the side of the road before I'd crash it or something, and I just sat there as the Spirit of God just poured over me, and He said, I'm going to show you how much I love you, and how much I can give you the strength, the ability to do what I've called you to do. Amen? And it, Here's Paul crying out to God. And and look what Jesus said to Paul. And Jesus said to me, don't worry about a thing, Paul. I'll take care of the persecution and the devil for you. Is that what your Bible says? No, he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace, my strength. Do you see the parallel? My my grace, my power, my grace, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Amen? Therefore, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities and the power of Christ, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs. What happened to this guy? The guy that was crying, take it away. Oh, help me, Jesus. Now he's saying, I rejoice. I boast in these difficult times. Is he schizophrenic? What happened to him? I believe he got a revelation. An understanding. He goes on to say, Let me read 10 again. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I know we don't sing it that way. We sing it when, when I am weak, he is strong. And it's true. I'm not against it. I'm just saying that's not the way he said it, okay? He said, when I am weak, then I am strong. That sounds weird. That's like saying, when I'm cold, I'm hot. It sounds like he contradicted himself, right? But that's not what happened. He got a revelation. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. What's he saying? He's saying this, when I come to the end of myself, when I come to the end of my ability, my own capacity to deal with the situation, there, right there, at that point, is where the power of Christ kicks in. Glory to God. Amen? Power of Christ. Rest upon me. Hallelujah. When facing any difficulties or tribulations. Because you're following Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus said this. Look. In John 16.33. He said. These things I've spoken to you. That in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. There it is. But be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen? Amen. Tribulation. In the world, you have tribulation. 2 Second, um, Second Timothy 3:12. How many in here really want to live godly in Christ Jesus? Let me see your hand. Do you want to live godly in Christ Jesus? I got a verse for your refrigerator. Listen to this: 2 Timothy 3:12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Wow. I love when Jesus is telling his disciples what's about to happen. And then he tells them, "You're all going to deny me." And Peter jumps up, "I'll not deny you, not me, Lord." And it says all the other disciples said the same thing. But Jesus comes to Peter in Luke 22. Look what he says. Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said to Peter, said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you, special request, that he may sift you as wheat. I don't know what that means, but it don't sound pretty. It doesn't sound like something I'd want to go through. But what does Jesus say? Don't worry, Peter. I'm going to get between you and the devil, and he's not going to touch you, Peter. Is that what he said? Huh. This is what he says. But I have prayed for you, like he's praying for you today, that your faith, Should not fail. And when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And you know the story. When the rooster crowed the second time and Peter had denied him three times. And Jesus looks at Peter in one translation, in one gospel it says, he looked at him. They locked eyes. You can speak volumes with your eyes sometimes. What do you think Jesus was saying to Peter, I told you. Is that what he was saying? No. He was saying, hang in there, Peter. It's going to be okay. And Peter ran out and was weeping, and he went back to his old lifestyle. He went back to fishing. He couldn't believe that he did the very thing that he told Jesus he would never do. He failed him, and he failed himself. And Jesus finds him. You remember when Jesus tells Mary, uh, or the angel, he says, tell Peter, he says, tell the disciples and Peter. He, he actually added his name, tell the disciples and Peter to meet me over there in Galilee. And then, then he comes to Peter, and he asks him three times, do you love me, Peter? You know I love you, Lord. Do you love me, Peter? Do you think it was because Jesus didn't know and he needed to find out? Or do you think it's because Peter needed to hear Peter say, I know I messed up. I know I failed. But there's one thing that's still true. I love you, Jesus. And no one will ever take that away from me. I love you, and I will love you forever. Sometimes we, we need to re, remind ourselves. It's like recalibrating our heart again, you know, to understand the love he has for you, the love you believe you have for him. Amen? I've had people come to me and say, pray for me, brother, that God will give me a new job. I say, why? Well, they're persecuting me at work. Well, I don't know that God wants you to have a new job. You might be the only light that they'll, they'll ever see. You might be, you follow me? I, and I'm like, how about I pray that God's grace be multiplied to you? Uh, Brother Tony Cook was a great teacher at the school I went to, Rama. He became associate pastor of the church in Tulsa, and he, he he's so faithful in, in his work and his assignment. And they kept giving him more and more assignments. And they, because that's what you do with faithful people. You give them more assignments. You give them more to do. And, and they kept loading him and giving him more hats to wear, so to speak. And he said, and he was sharing this at a pastor's conference. And he was saying, <clears throat> he was saying to these, all these pastors, like 300 pastors there, he said, I, I went before God and I said, God, you need a better man than me. Oh, I've said that. You need to send somebody else to Turkey. I'm not your man. This is too... I I believe that there's others who could do better than me. I'm not your man. Help me. And And he says, he's prayed this humble prayer. You need a better man than me. You know what God said to him? You be that better man. You be that better man. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient to empower you, to enable you, to equip you. They did a survey in 2009. I read this in John Bevere's book, Good or God, Chapter 10. He said in 2009, they did a survey of over 5,000 Christians, and they asked them, give us three statements about what you think grace is. And of 5,000 believers that wrote answers, most of them were about salvation, about forgiveness of sin, but only 2%, think about this, only 2% said anything about the empowerment of God for their lives. Now, if 98% don't even understand that, do you understand the problem that is trying to be holy in your own ability, your own strength, and how you get into legalism and all that stuff? But when you can understand that there is an extra power available to you, hallelujah, that you can tap into, it makes all the difference. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Second 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Paul writing again, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, I love that, light affliction. If you read the list of what this guy went through, and to hear him write, light affliction. Is that how you regard what you went through? As a light affliction? Really? But I didn't get the color I wanted. (laughs) That's persecution. While we do not look, look, he says, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We're not building on temporary. We're building on eternal. Amen? And one of those eternal pieces that we need to understand is the grace of God, the power of God, the strength of God that's available for you and me. Amen? Because Paul had a revelation of this grace, this kind of grace, Think how he writes his letters. He begins and ends every one of his letters with words like these. Grace to you and peace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. You you start to understand what this means and then you, you start to see it and you go, wow. That was so important, so much on his mind that he said it. At the beginning of every letter, at the end of every letter. Grace, the power of God. The strength of Jesus to you. Amen? There's grace for you and me. You know, I think about, well, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. He doesn't mean cocky and proud. He just means with clarity and know that The way has been made, so you have a right to be there. Amen? Come boldly to the, it's called the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Grace to help. That word help has a very interesting Greek word there. The word is bothea. That word only appears one other time in the New Testament. So when he says grace to help, the word help appears many times in the New Testament, but it's not translated from that word. He says you'll find grace to botea in the time of need. Maybe if we look at that scripture where it's found, it will help us understand what he's trying to say. It's in Acts chapter 27, verse 17. We find this word, Botea. Acts 27, verse 17. When they had taken it on board, they used cables, Botea, to undergird the ship. And fearing lest they should run aground on the Sirtas sands, they struck sail and so were driven. Cables. You see, the shipbuilders in that day, they knew the ships they built would at, at some point in the future come into very great storms. And they wanted to prepare for it. And so they made these cables, these bottea that would wrap around the hull of the ship. And it would it would keep that hull intact, that ship intact, so that it could pass through the storms and get to the other side and remain together and intact. Hallelujah. That's the grace. That's the bottea that God offers you and me. He prepared it beforehand. Grace to bottea. Cables, grace to wrap around your life, to get you through the storms of life that will come so that you can reach your destination intact. Amen? Hallelujah. Paul. Made statements like, do not grow weary in doing well, for in due season you shall reap if you do not not lose heart. Do not grow weary in doing well. How could he say that? He must have never worked in Turkey. How could Paul say, don't grow weary, don't grow tired in doing well? It's because he had a revelation of the strength of heaven the grace of God. Amen? He said it in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, and again in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 13. He says, do not grow weary in doing good. Amen? The only way he could say that is because he had a revelation. Amen? This grace is for you. This grace is for the humble. It's very important you and I understand this. In James chapter 4, Verse 6, it says, he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Amen? Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He gives grace to the humble. The, The humble are the ones who say, God, I need your help. I, need, I don't want to leave this house today without knowing your grace is working in me. And that I have sufficient grace to do what you've called me to do, to be what you've called me to be. Amen? He says the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Listen to this. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you <clears throat> be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to who? He gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, resist him, steadfast in the faith. Faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, but may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, listen to what grace will do to you, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Amen. God's not called us to do what he, all these things he's called us to do in our own strength, or our own ability, or with willpower. He's supplied the help we need to be what he's called us to be, to do what he's called us to do. Amen? Yes. To resist temptation. Where do wars, this is James 4 verse 1, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot attain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Listen to this, adulterers and adulteresses. He's talking to Christians. He's saying, you spiritual adulterers, you spiritual adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? There's a spirit, the Holy Spirit in us, our own spirits that have been recreated, hallelujah, yearn within us, jealously. Amen? God doesn't want part of you. He doesn't want most of you. He wants all of you. I tell this to our people all the time. There's only one thing God wants from you, one thing, your love. That's all he's after. Because if he has your love, he has everything else. Your complete devotion. Amen? But there's these battles between our hearts and our flesh, our spirits and our flesh. And and we're tempted, and this struggle goes on, and and he's talking about it here, and he says, here we are in this struggle, and it reminds me when when we'd have these family reunion picnics in the summertime and we would get together and they would do this we'd have this game called tug of war have you ever heard of that game and you'd have this big rope and in the middle there would, we'd have a mud hole and, and you'd have a team on one side a team on the other and, and you'd start pooling and the loser would always end up in the mud in the filth in the dirt <clears throat> and so that's what, that's what he's describing here it's a tug of war Your heart's pulling you one way. The spirit in you is yearning one way. But your flesh is wanting something else. And there's this tug of war going on inside of you. And right there in the middle of that, look what he says he does in the next verse. But he gives more grace. Hallelujah. In the middle of your struggle, in the middle of the temptation, right smack in the middle, he gives more grace. Hallelujah. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Amen? There's grace for you and me. And we need to understand. We need to learn how to tap into that. It's not something you can just uh, confess and, 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 and pray and, and you have it instantly. It, it, it takes time fellowshipping with Jesus Christ. You've got to give something to this. You've got to put yourself into it. You've got to spend time with him. Amen? We used to sing this old song. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait. They shall run. And not grow weary. We enter this life. I entered this life. April 13th 1975. That's when the change took place. On the inside of me. And I was this selfish person. That God began to change. From the inside out. And and listen to me. He's taking me from here. Over here where I look just like Jesus. Same love, same mercy, same power. And I'm on this journey from here to there. God's not interested in just getting you to heaven. He's interested in transformation of your life. No matter who you are, what you do, He wants transformation, and you cannot do it in your own strength, in your own wisdom. We need his help. We need his grace. Let's stand together. There's there's different things that all of us are going through and different things we've faced in recent times and different things we're going to face in the future here. But but it's good news today. It's good news to tell you there's help for you, and it's enough. It's sufficient. That's the word Jesus used with Paul. He said, my grace, my grace is sufficient for you. And if it's sufficient for Paul, it's sufficient for me. And it's sufficient for you. Amen? I don't care if you feel lost. I don't care if you you know, you've lost, you've suffered loss, uh, there's enough grace for you. Amen? He is your best friend. Jesus. Hallelujah. And I just this morning want to challenge you to tap into that. Amen? He wants to empower us to live holy lives. Don't say, I can't do that. Don't say... Oh, I could never be that don't say that trust him know that his grace is sufficient for you his strength his power when I got an understanding of this you know what I saw I saw like this big cable from heaven it just got plugged into me hallelujah it was like thousands of volts of heaven just flowing into me glory to God and man I just rose up on the inside of me and I thought I could do anything I could do anything. I could do all things through Christ's strength. Gives me the strength. Who gives me the strength? Jesus. How? By the grace that comes from Him. Amen? Hallelujah. And I just want to speak over you today. I want to pray over you today. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for this, this precious family, this precious body here today. Everyone. Standing here in in the hearing of these words, Father, I speak over them in the name of Jesus. I pray that these words will be sealed in their hearts and they'll reach out to you, Father, for your grace, for your strength, for your help. And know that there's more than enough for whatever they face, whatever they're going through. I declare right now, grace, grace be multiplied over every child of yours in this place today Father, in Jesus name Hallelujah, let your grace flow Father, let your grace flow, let it flow into our lives, into our situations, you know Father, you know everything that's to come and you know what we need, you've been through what we're going through you understand, you're our great high priest, thank you for praying for us thank you for understanding Hallelujah, and thank you for giving us what we need Thank you for that strength, that grace. Hallelujah. We receive it right now. Let's just say, I receive it. I receive your grace. I receive your strength, your power. Fill me anew. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.